Welcome to the Off The Crutch Podcast, your home for disability-related topics from a disabled perspective. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm Travis Davis. I thought for this episode, it would be appropriate to talk about my educational upbringing and how that impacted me as a teacher. For those of you who listened to my interview with Seth, we talked about our time in middle school. Now, I went to a parochial school for nine years, but for high school, I went to an independent school called Bosky School. At that time, Bosky School was only seven years old, very young. I only had about 40 or so students in my graduating class. There were a number of things that I really enjoyed about the school, but what really stood out to me was the school's commitment to community and academics. Now, when I think of high school, I think big, and thankfully that wasn't the case in addition to having a middle school as well. The small campus allowed me to maneuver around in my wheelchair, not exert as much energy as opposed to being in a bigger high school. I received a high quality education and I went through those four years without being bullied or feeling left out. In fact, one of my favorite memories was helping out with the boys' basketball team and going to all their games. I remember the times where we would go on trips around New Mexico, being on the bus, and having that camaraderie with the boys and the coach was just something that I'll never forget. In case any of you are wondering, uh, for a couple years, there was only one other student in the whole school with a physical disability. But after she left, I was the only one. Fast forward five years later, after I graduated college in California, I moved back to New Mexico, looking for a job, trying to find out what was available. So I went there, talked to a couple people that I knew. Two weeks later, I started my first teaching assignment. And this was for an eighth grade English class. Before the students walked in, I was so nervous. It was very terrifying for me because I did not want to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. I wanted to make sure that all the students did their work because I wanted to be at the school subbing for a long time. And, you know, there's this perception of substitute teachers that come into a crazy classroom and They have to be the ones to calm them down and the students just go wild and crazy. When the students walked in that door and I stood in front of the classroom, they were dead silent. I'm not even kidding. They were so quiet that they even said, we aren't normally this quiet with our regular teacher. Some of you may be asking yourself, well, Were you using your wheelchair or crutches or how were you presenting yourself in front of the students? That's a very good question. I didn't have my crutches with me at the time. They were in the back of the classroom. And so I was able to stand on my own without any support, introducing myself and such. Later on, I think that they could see that I had some type of physical disability. But that didn't matter to them. I think what mattered to me from the beginning was to build that trust with the students because I never wanted to be the type of sub that just walked in, 
gave the students papers and went to the back of the room to read. I always looked at substitute teaching as an opportunity to get to know the students and for them to get to know me. And now I spend a lot of time in the classroom talking about my disability and the importance of disability awareness in independent private schools. I substitute taught at Bosque School for three years. And during those three years, I did it all. I taught summer school. I ran a summer program one year. I even coached middle school basketball and volleyball. But I couldn't have been successful for those three years without a lot of support. And one person in particular gave me so much support and guidance during those three years. His name is Andy Wright, and he was the assistant middle school head when I was a substitute teacher there. But I had known him when I was in high school. We had this relationship going years and years back. So when I returned to sub, it was so nice to connect with him again. And he really helped me become part of the educator that I am today. One quick story that might illustrate how much he meant to me. The second year that I was subbing at Bosque, I found out that he was going to be moving to California. And I was really bummed to hear that. So I decided that I wanted to make him a goodbye video. So using the iPad that I just bought, I sneakily worked with the different departments to record snippets from each middle school grade and teachers and past teachers that were no longer at Bosque. Once I had the footage together, I put it over a song called 93 Million Miles by Jason Mraz. When I got the opportunity to show not only him, but the whole middle school, the video, that was probably one of the proudest moments that I've ever felt because it was an idea that I had for a while. So to see it come to fruition and to give it to Andy was a memory that I'll never forget. Speaking of Andy, he is actually today's guest and I was happy to have the opportunity to reconnect with him. I hope that he can provide some takeaways to any teachers, educators, or any former students he might have had at Bosque School. Enjoy. Hey, thanks so much, Andy, for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure, Travis. You know, we've known each other quite a long time. How many years has it been? I mean, I, It's been, I want to say, when I was in high school, you were still there at Bosque. Um, so when did you graduate? I graduated, yeah, I graduated in uh, 2006. So let's call it 2004, 2005. Yes. That's, that's 15 years at least, at the minimum. At the minimum, yeah. It's, it's been quite a long time, and I had that jump where I was a student, and then I went to California uh, twice for school, and then I came back to substitute teach. And I think, I didn't think I told you when I came back, I think I just showed up one day in my wheelchair and I just rolled by your office and yeah. surprise, I, <laughs> I'm back. I, I remember that time when you took off to California because you're like, you had your little PT cruiser and you're like, is that what it was? It was a Suzuki. 
Suzuki Aero hatchback, but very similar oh, okay. yes, to yes. like a yeah, to okay. a, yeah, Wrong very similar car, to that. But I remember you're like, all right, I'm going, I'm doing this, like go for it. I remember that because you had spent some time in different schools and traveled a lot, and yeah, I remember those conversations that I had with you about uh, when I was in Chico, and then I went to Southern California, and then coming back to Bosque to substitute teach was just a, a real unique experience for me. Yeah. And being able to see you and lean on your guidance for the three years that I was there was really helpful. Cause I remember the first time, the first day that I came to sub it, it was really nerve wracking for me because one, I didn't have any desire to become a teacher when I was getting my bachelor's. And then two, I didn't know how the students were going to react to me uh, when I, I was in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Before that, students or kids that would see me in my wheelchair on crutches, all they would want to do is ask me questions about my wheelchair or my crutches. So yeah. being in front of a classroom full of students was a little terrifying because I, I didn't know what they were going to ask me and how, how things were going to play out. What, what, what would you say to yourself right now? If you, if you were to go back to your former self, and what, you know, what, what advice? I would probably say to be more comfortable talking about disability-related topics in the classroom. I don't think I got comfortable enough, uh, maybe it was like maybe my second year, but I, I was so concerned with making sure that the students were on task and not just afraid that they weren't going to get their work done and that I wouldn't be called back to to cut to come back to the school I was just I didn't know what I was doing and I think the more that I was there and and the visibility the students were more comfortable and then they felt more comfortable to talk to me about my disability so I think that added a, a different dynamic to being in the classroom And then I just started to realize that I never had a teacher with a disability when I was going to school. So to kind of think about what they were going through at that time. Now I I always make it a point to go out and talk to to students about disabilities. So that's been... um, And and that's that's, that's, that's some of, that's part of who you are. It's like, you know, you got to bring your whole self to teaching. Yeah, and you, you you know the kids all know it. If you're if you've never talked about that, it's like oh, ooh, that's you know, there's something wrong with this. I'm like, well, no, there isn't. It's like this 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 related as human beings here. When I started teaching, I, I would hear horror stories about substitute teachers that would be taken advantage of, and I also was wondering, well are the students going to be taken advantage of me because of my disability? But that never happened. It was sort of like the opposite, that they were more engaged and willing to hear what I had to say, as opposed to just kind of going all over the place. And I don't know if it was the perception of my disability or just who I was, but I tried to do the best job that I could. and make it so there was a comfortable, safe space to yeah. talk about topics relating to my disability. But well, you know, you're, you're, a lot of it is 
you're you're a nice person, and that that takes you a long ways. You know, if you treat people poorly, they treat you poorly. You don't treat people poorly, so they're not going to treat you poorly. And, I appreciate you know, that. Yeah, you know, when you hear about the nightmare substitutes, and oh, we just have to go back to our own times. Remember, terrible substitutes. Mm-hmm. The reason we as students were terrible to them is because they were rude and terrible to us. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, kids do what they can do to show their power somehow. If you, exactly. out, if you step exactly. out of that whole cycle, you, you've completely removed, you know, half of the equation. One of the memories that stand out to me was when I was in was an English class and it was a bunch of sixth graders that I remember. And I was giving a lesson and then all of a sudden there was a student that just kind of blurted out, and he raised his hand, uh, and asked about my crutches or why I walk the way that I do. And I just remember at that point, I think at, at that time, I felt like it was a kind of a big decision moment for me because I didn't know whether to stop what I was doing because I was, I was in the middle of a lesson and it was a long-term subbing gig. So I didn't know whether to stop and talk and answer his question to keep going. But I opted to stop and, and took a few minutes to just discuss about what cerebral palsy is and, and why I use crutches. And then I remember shortly after I had the conversation about the student with you and asked if I could address the whole middle school at a morning meeting mm-hmm. and you, you happily obliged. And the response that I got after I asked how many of you have ever wanted to ask me about my disability, but were afraid to, and seeing so many hands mm-hmm. raise was I think it was shocking, but also a little sad because I never wanted to give off the uh, perception that I didn't want to talk about this. But I also think that that is how it is mostly outside of the classroom, just parents maybe not wanting to talk about disabilities with their kids. or So it, it's yeah. really difficult. But you know that conversation led me to the TEDx talk that I gave. And and I just really thank you for having that conversation with me and devising a plan to have me speak to the students. Yeah. No, I I very much remember that time and that that day because you were were quite nervous about it. I remember that, Uh, particularly the morning meeting. And I I was like, you know what? People want to know who you are. And this is this doesn't define you, but it's but it's it's a big part of your life. I don't think I realized the the power, the influence that I had as a disabled teacher until maybe about ooh, the second year when I finally realized like there's actually not a lot of students at the school with a physical disability, and then in fact there's not yeah. a lot of students in private schools with a physical disability. And I'm like, that's why the students are so curious because they're not exposed to it like students in public yeah. schools. They have their special education programs. Yeah. And so it just, just dawned on me. I'm like, okay, that's why I'm getting a lot of questions and inquiries, you know, cause they want to know and they don't have anywhere else to get that information from. Yeah. 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 No, I'm thinking back to my experience. I, I went to school in the 70s. That's, that's a long time ago now. 
but I, I had a classmate, you know, Betsy Walton in my homeroom. I had classes with her. Uh, you know, she's another W. And I actually, I actually knew Betsy until, I mean, I knew of her. She belonged to my parents' church in New Jersey. Uh, she passed away a few years ago, actually. But, but uh, she's just part of my schooling. You know, she, and she, she, it was very awkward back then because she had one of those clunky Everson Jennings, uh, you know, heavy silver chairs and she had a built-in desktop and she, everywhere she went, she'd knock stuff over because her chair was so big and, and she felt terrible. You know, it's just, this, this, I often wonder how it would be different if Betsy would, was 30 years younger. Her life, her life would be different. One of the things that I experienced too was a lot of empathy from the students. I, I'm sure there were times where I might have like dropped my crutch or my crutch were my crutches were at a other end of the classroom and the students, you know, um, brought them to me. And and so the, I think having the disability in the classroom with students also allows them to to learn empathy and to yeah, yeah. think about people other than themselves. In your yeah. recent oh. um, school experiences, did you have many students with physical disabilities that you can remember? No. I would say the only student that I've had in a chair was Evan. You, you know Evan. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had students with vision. Uh, impairments and hearing impairments, but nobody, nobody totally blind and nobody totally deaf. Uh, and you know, it's interesting right now. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I heard you, but I, if I told you this, but I, I wear hearing aids now, uh, and I, I really struggle without them. You know, like I, I can't, ha- I can't hold a conversation with anybody unless I'm sitting right next to them without my hearing aids. So I'm, I'm very keyed in two kids, and there's kids in our school. I've got three, two kids in our school, another one coming with hearing aids. And we just all, I think I know what it's like. And they know what it's, they know that I know what it's like. And that, that level of empathy is super important. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, you're, you're right about the lack of, of kids with disabilities. And there's very, very few. In California, I don't think we had anybody that I was aware of. And that was a school of 500. Which is surprising because California is known to be really progressive and a lot of the disability rights movements and discussions came from California. Mm -hmm. So, and I know there's a lot of factors that that attribute to lack of students with physical disabilities in private schools. You have the financial piece of it. You know, a lot of the parents spend so much money on their kid that they don't have the means to be at a school like you've been at, that I've been at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My mother-in-law taught at a school, uh, at an independent school, and she had a girl in her fifth grade class who was blind. Uh, and there's a lot of, it was, she, she had to work super hard to be there, and she had an in-class a helper to be with her as well. It was a big, it was a, it was quite a change. And you know, some of this too, Travis, is that independent schools don't have the the help as well. 
And we just had a conversation today about a kid who applied to our school and we wanted to admit him. But we, he had, he, he needed some support in ways that we couldn't support him. Mm. Uh, and we, we couldn't accept him. So some of that is just what, what public schools are, are set up with full-time support people that independent schools don't necessarily have. So, for example, if we were to get someone who was applying to here who was blind, it would, we might not be able to do a good job with them. If we had somebody in a, in a, in a, in a chair, no problem. We could do that. So it, it, it really depends on, on what the disability is. That totally makes sense because the independent schools, you know, their goal is for their students to attend college. And mm-hmm. the parents that want to send their child to that school want that type of life for, for their kid. And they may not get the type of rigor or academic support in a public school. So mm-hmm. I don't know if more resources need to be pumped into the independent schools or, or how that works. I know that it's hard enough to keep doors open at independent mm-hmm. schools. You're, you're just constantly fundraising and doing all these things to make sure that some money's there. So to yeah. add that extra set of expenses, like you said, it can be very uh, daunting. and Yeah, but you know, I, I think that one of the things, do you hear the thunder in the background? Oh, I do, yeah. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that goes, that I think people are discovering is that, you know, where's your niche? And I think Bosque is doing this right now. They're, they're finding that there's plenty of parents out there that have kids with learning disabilities of some sort. Mm-hmm. And if they work with that population and support them, these kids do really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got parents who just will do anything for the school. They really, they, you're giving them an opportunity that doesn't exist anywhere else. And to a certain extent, we've got that same uh, market because we offer gifted and talented education, you know, for the whole school is that way. And these kids can fly. So they go from being kids that are just, you know, sometimes acting up, having trouble in school, just, you know, they, they don't learn anything at school. It's a waste of time for them uh, to just being completely and fully engaged. And that, once, if you can do that, you can do anything. Uh, so suddenly, all of the difficulty in getting students and fundraising and all that kind of stuff melts away because you've got, you've got, you've got a waiting list to get into your school. Uh, and, I, and I've seen that in our school organization. You know, it, we don't belong to Southwest Association of Independent Schools. We, we belong to something called Central Association of Independent Schools, CA, no, I'm sorry, ISACS, Independent School Association of the Central States. Uh, so among, in that group, the schools that are really thriving are schools that serve specific populations like ours. Uh, so if you, can, if you can serve a specific population and do it well, you're going to do really well with the school. I guess we'll close on this. Do you have a favorite memory when you were at Bosky? Oh, I don't know if I have a single favorite memory. That's a, 15 years is a lot of memories. Yeah. Uh, I think probably knowing 
the people that I knew for so long. I knew people who I taught as seventh graders, whose little sisters were toddlers, and they were juniors and seniors. You know, I'd run, I'd run races with the moms and dads, and you know, our kids went to school together. Uh, it's just the richness of that relationship is uh, it was a really special thing, and I understand. And that, that's what that's what you lose when you move. That's what you lose when you're not at a place for 15 years. Uh, and I think there's that as well as the as well as the impact that I was able to have on the place. Like I came in the fourth year, uh, and I left in the 19th year of the school. And to a certain extent, I mean, say what you will, but when you start a school, you make stuff up as you go. And what you just kind of, you've got to do things. It's sort of like what we're doing right now with this pandemic. Like, oh, we've never done this before, so let's figure it out. And you go through one iteration and you try it and you go through another iteration. You know, after 10 years, you're really good at it. But in the beginning, it's very much a, a, a making it up as you go process. And I enjoyed that about being a Poske. And, and uh, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's an unusual privilege to be able to make a school the way it is, because this is the way you think it should be. And it's, it's a great place. It really is a very special school. So, and I'll always think that. And there's, rec- there's pieces that are recognizable now that were recognizable 15 years ago that and and sometimes not even the same people are there very few connection from people to people thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me andy and i hope you have a good rest of your day all right we'll see you then andy's such a wonderful educator and i get so inspired every time i get to chat with him which isn't very much, but I'm grateful that he was able to give me some of his time. I'll end with this. I've been able to see Bosky grow into three iterations. The first iteration was me being a student there. The second iteration was me as a substitute teacher. And the third one is where they're at right now. I think Dr. Barry is the perfect person to be leading the school And it makes me happy to know that there's such wonderful leadership to move the school forward. Because as an alum, I really care about my school and I want nothing but the best for it. So as always, you can follow me on social media at Off The Crutch, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Until next time, take care.